we started talking about lifestyle and having a real estate portfolio that generates passive income is something that we have to have. Are you ready to move your retirement out of the stock market so you can invest into assets that you control? I started a community of self-directed investors with Chris Tanner. You know Chris, we interviewed him on episodes two and 11. Find out more about Self-Directed Investors Network by clicking the link in today's show notes. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your number one source for out-of-box strategies to real estate investing. And today is going to be epic because we have Danny Randazzo, who's going to walk us through a few of his creative deals, including one where he bought a $900,000 eight cap with none of his own money using both a JV and a seller carry. I'm your host, Adam Adams. I've done all sorts of creative real estate deals, and I'm excited to introduce Danny Randazzo right after this message from DJ Scruggs. Hey, it's DJ, and I want to thank you for being a loyal listener. We're glad you keep listening to each episode, and I want to ask you to please take a minute to give us a five-star review. And remember, we are not attorneys or CPAs. This is just the stuff you bring to your advisors. Danny, will you tell us how you got into real estate in the first place? Yeah, I got into real estate um, basically with lifestyle design. I loved reading books and studying finance. So I kind of caught the bug with Rich Dad, Poor Dad and had always thought about real estate. I graduated from college with a degree in finance and started working in the corporate world for consulting firms doing financial consulting and really looking forward to a career path in consulting it requires a lot of time and travel and you know as i progressed a little bit later in my career and a couple years into it i met my girlfriend at the time my wife now and we started talking about lifestyle and having a real estate portfolio that generates passive income is something that we have to have um, it's not a nice to have it's a have to have for us so we've got a lot of drive in what we do and that made us have a mindset shift where we left California, we sold everything that we had in California, moved all the way across the country to Charleston, South Carolina. And within about three months of moving to Charleston, I had my first commercial property under contract and purchase, which was my first real estate investment. I bought a million dollar office building made up of six units with office professional type tenants that cash flowed and generated passive income for us. So following that deal, um, just kind of ballooned. And like I said, we've got to drive to get things done. And we pride ourselves on being resourceful to find deals and close deals. And throughout the past 12 months, we've acquired roughly six and a half million worth of real estate. And we're looking to acquire another 12 million in the next 12 months. Oh, that'd be great. So you're going to triple it this year. Correct. I like that word you used, resourceful. I think that's a good, uh, another word for creativity. And you guys have, you've not been able to say no to deals. You've been able to say yes to deals. You just have to figure out a way. So let's talk about that first. You said you had a $1 million office building. I think you said six units. Correct. That you closed right when you got to South Carolina. You and your now wife decided we need this passive income. How did you buy that deal? 
We bought it with traditional financing, an 80-20 loan from a local community bank. Um, I went through a couple of hoops. I talked to probably 10 different lenders, got no from five of them. A couple of them didn't call me back. And I found a couple of great guys um, to work with. You know, they kind of looked at me and said, oh, you're young. You don't have any experience. How are you going to, you know, manage this real estate? And um, basically, I found a way to find a lender that said yes to me. And we did a traditional 80-20 and I took $200,000 that I had collected over the period of my life and in California's real estate market and rolled it into this deal. So it was uh, a great first start. That, that's awesome. So you have all sorts of types of experience now, don't you? Multifamily, I, office buildings, uh, and, and so on. You, we even talked right before the during the pre-interview, we talked about short-term rentals. Let's, can we talk a little bit about that um, foreclosure that you did and kind of walk people through that deal as well? Yeah, certainly. So um, earlier this year, back in January, um, I've started to target with my team and I about foreclosures in the local market. It's a great way if, again, you do your homework and you know the market, you can get pretty comfortable with what, you know, after repair value or current appraised value is and going to the auction and seeing what the bid amounts are, you can find opportunities to buy things at auction and immediately have equity in the property. You just need to have your exit strategy. So whether it's a refi, um, a renovation, or maybe you just sell it straight away. So we bought a 3-3 condo. Um, out on the beach, so it's a great market for short-term rentals. Um, we paid three fifty at auction. It appraised um, going through that purchase for the condo itself. It appraised for five hundred and forty thousand dollars. So we had almost two hundred thousand dollars in equity um, from day one. We went ahead and spent about twenty thousand dollars on renovations, new paint, new fixtures, new countertops everywhere, new toilets. So everything you see and touch in that condo is brand new and we should be able to rent it out um, with great occupancy and uh, cash flow very well from that property. So we're going to rent it out for the next little bit, see how it does, and then you know try to repurpose our equity or potentially um, sell it if we have a better commercial or multifamily opportunity present itself. Awesome. I have a lot of questions on that one though. Uh, okay. where, where did you get the $350,000? So the 350000 after I've built these relationships with lenders over the past year, I'm able to have them do pretty quick close 80-20 loans. So when you buy at foreclosure in the state of South Carolina, every county is different, so know your counties, but um, you have 30 days to close on the property. So I was able to get my lender to finance 80% of the purchase price, and we brought the other 20% required as a down payment to close that deal. And we close it in about 25 days. Okay. And is that you and your spouse or who, who's we for bringing in that the 20% of the 350? Yep. My spouse, myself, and my investors. Okay. Awesome. How much of, if you're, if you're comfortable sharing, um, how much of your own money had to go into that condo to close that? We put about half of the, um, okay. the equity and the renovation dollars. So we just partnered with one other person um, on the deal and it's been 
a great one so far. All right. My last, my last two questions, I've got two more. One is for the listeners, what were you willing to go to on that? You said you bought it for 350. It was worth 540. What was your, um, what was your max bid price? Yeah. So before even going into the courthouse for the auction, I and my team will go through every single house that's on the list and we'll do some comparable comps. So we'll look at, you know, what does the house look like? We'll try to go and drive the house if we think it's a really good deal. But we, for every single house on the list, we come up with a max bid amount and Mm -hmm. we come up with an appraised kind of projected value. If we think it needs 50 grand in renovation and it'll be worth X, we take that into consideration and kind of back into our max bid. So specifically for the condo, we had a max bid of 400,000. And so we were prepared to go up to 400 and thankfully we didn't. And you know, that turned into an additional $50,000 in equity. That's awesome. And the last question, you said it was only $20,000 of renovation. Now, if I did the things that you said you did in a three, three condo, updating it, lighting fixtures, uh, new paint and toilet and everything that you mentioned, um, probably would have cost me 75 or $80,000. So the question is, how did you get all of that done for, for 20 grand? Yeah, we have, again, great relationships with some of our vendors. So we have um, a local painter that can get the painting done. I think it costs us about two grand. The condo itself is about 2,100 square feet. So we did every single thing that you see Um, from a paint perspective, the molding, the trim, the ceilings, it was all done. And we got it done for about $2,000. We got countertops in the kitchen and all the bathrooms on top of the new vanities for about $6,000. So that was one of our largest expenses. We did not put in brand new hardwood flooring, but we did refinish the existing hardwood flooring. So that was a couple thousand to refinish it. And then in the bedrooms, we did put in new carpet, but we left it as carpet. So I think being very selective in the method in which you do some of these um, refinishing or renovation processes. So another piece, um, and this is probably a good tip for the listeners, with the bathroom vanities, they were about 10 years old, but they were in really good condition. We just added some trim work to the sides. We had a, um, oh, just a general contractor come in and, and kind of aesthetically improved the existing vanities. And then we repainted them. So they look brand new. They look updated. They look, you know, fresh. And it's not kind of that old 10-year-old style. Yeah. I, I love that. So we are going to be talking about your, your first JV deal with that seller finance, but can you mention a little bit, I know you've done five syndications. Could you mention a little bit about one of those other syndications besides this JV seller finance deal? Yeah. So one of the syndications deal, we had a small um, four unit multifamily property and um, it was an off market deal. I worked directly with the owner of the property to get it under contract. And then I brought that deal and kind of projected out what strategies did we have. I knew going in, it was going to be a rental. I love the market and specific, you know, 
half mile radius. There's a brand new Whole Foods going in. So I always like that um, to see new businesses coming in and Whole Foods probably isn't going to close their doors anytime soon. So that being said, it was a great opportunity off market deal. We had a lot of um, value add potential and buying it at a, a great price. I brought that to my group of investors and we had uh, two investors that got involved with us and we went ahead and closed that deal. So pretty straightforward in find the deal, have a strategy for that deal and then run that strategy and opportunity past your investors and then get it closed. How big was that deal again? The deal was, we bought it for 470,000 and brought 25% down to close. And we, again, used traditional financing. It was a 75-25 LTV. And then you had two investors to share in that 25% down. Correct. Awesome. Let's get right into the final five. Are you ready for the final five? Yeah. All right, right after these messages, are you ready to move your retirement out of the stock market so you can invest into assets that you control? I started a community of self-directed investors with Chris Tanner. You know Chris, we interviewed him on episodes two and 11. Find out more about Self-Directed Investors Network by clicking the link in today's show notes. All right, so the most creative deal you've ever done. We, um, I closed on my first million dollar commercial property and right around the corner, there was a second building that was um, available as well. So I kind of let a month or two go by and then the same broker reached back out and said, would you be interested in getting this building? And so long story short, got that building under contract and had a joint venture set up um, to close on that deal. So basically I created an LLC. Okay. I had two investors that were going to join me in funding the deal and we set up a member managed. So all of the three of us as members and investors were active in the LLC. So that didn't require any sort of syndication type of setup. Mm. And I think it's an interesting way to do things. Um, I shared at the best ever conference about this strategy and had several people reach out to me saying like, how do you do it? And it's pretty simple. You just have an LLC and Adam, if you and I were to do a deal together, we both would be members in that LLC and we would both make decisions um, for our investment. That way it's not uh, a syndication where I'm handling all of your money and you don't have as much control over it. So yep. it's a great way to do it. Um, one tip for your listeners, when you set up that joint venture, you need to be extremely protective of how you handle the asset management side. So okay. one thing that I'm going to start to do with my new joint venture deals is have a, um, a second LLC as the asset management LLC. And the asset management LLC would be a company that I work for and I own. And that company would be able to make decisions on behalf of the hmm. owning LLC and those members Mm -hmm. up to a certain dollar amount. Mm -hmm. So for example, if Adam, you and I JV'd on a deal together, I don't want you and I to have to have conversations about what type of paint color is going to go into the building or what kind of 
linens we need to use or what kind of toilet paper we should have in the building. So I, as the asset manager, would just make that decision that we're going to go, you know, buy this type of toilet paper. And if it costs 50 cents more than the competitor's brand, you know, I would think you're okay with that. Um, so it, it kind of limits your hands-on and interaction with investors on decisions that that I as the asset manager should be making. And if you're comfortable investing, you should trust me to make those decisions as well. Mm -hmm. So that's one piece to add just a level of, um, of clarity to the asset management side. And then, you know, as members of the owning LLC, what your expectation is. So if there's a renovation or work that needs to be done that costs $15,000, maybe that's when the members have a, a conversation and the asset manager would bring that conversation to the owners of the property. Does that make sense? Definitely. Yeah. Thanks for going through that. Appreciate it a lot. On that deal, how did you get creative on and get seller financing? How did you, how are you able to do that? So again, um, it was the same seller that I bought my previous deal from. So we had a, a little bit of an existing relationship, but basically just asked for it, wrote the contract up. We'll buy it for 960,000 with a 10% seller carry back. And, you know, they were ready to close the deal and hold that 10% note. So it was a win-win for us and for them. And, you know, if you don't ask, you're never going to know. So yeah. I'll always ask. And, you know, my favorite word to hear sometimes is no, because then now I just need to figure out how I'm going to get you to say yes. <laughs> All right. And so that was a 10% seller carry back. What, how did you qualify for the loan? What kind of loan did you get? We got an 80-20 loan. Again, traditional loan from a local community bank. And um, they were a little hesitant at first with the seller carry back because, you know, all the lenders like to have buyers with skin in the game, mm -hmm. if you will. Mm -hmm. And so um, once they kind of digested it and saw that the numbers really worked and it was a good deal and we had a lot of good potential, then things, um, they got over it and things went well. What was the cap rate on that one? The cap rate on the purchase was, oh, I'll have to look. Um, I want to say we bought it at about an eight cap mm. and with our value add potential, we increased the NOI on the property and, um, generated about 250,000 in equity based on oh. the value add that we could do at an eight cap. Since then, the market is at probably about a seven to an, a seven and a half cap for where it's at currently. That's great. Uh, so will you define NOI for the listeners? NOI is net operating income. So you'll take your gross rents or all of the money that you collect from the profit. You'll deduct your expenses. So this includes your um, taxes, insurance, uh, cable and internet costs, any other expenses associated with the property and that will get you your net operating income. The one key when calculating net operating income, you do not include your debt service payment in your net operating income. So after you have your net operating income, you would then 
deduct your debt service to calculate your total cash flow. Great. That was, that was perfect. My last question on that deal, and then we'll move right on, is was it a recourse or a non-recourse loan? Recourse. Okay. I'm still hunting for non-recourse. Okay, okay. So you're looking for uh, lenders who will lend at a little below a million and at a non-recourse, or you're looking for bigger deals that are easier? Bigger deals um, that are easier at non-recourse as well. I've talked to a lot of local banks, national banks, um, and private lenders, and I think it's very difficult to find non-recourse debt below a million dollars. Yeah. I've I've only known two people to do it, and uh, I need to remind myself who they're using. All right, number, question number two in the final five. What's the book that you'd recommend to your friends here that are listening? Mistakes That Millionaires Make by Harry Clark. Just a great read. Um, it's not all sunshine and rainbows out there, so it gives you some perspective on um, some really interesting people who amassed a fortune and lost a fortune pretty quickly, some who rebounded and some who didn't. So it's a great way to think about how to protect yourself and your, um, your family and kind of your financial stability. Appreciate that. And that's the first time it's come up. I always like to hear a new book. Uh, what were, where were you five years ago, Danny? And where will you be five years from now? Five years ago, I was in... San Francisco, living with my sister and brother-in-law in their house, kind of renting a room and traveling every single week, um, probably 300 nights out of the year for my corporate consulting job. Where will I be in five years? I will be living in Charleston, South Carolina with my wife. We will have... Um, over 500 million in real estate assets that we control and own. We will have the flexibility and freedom of our time and uh, financial security. Uh, that's probably the best answer so far. Appreciate that. And what's the best way or your favorite way to give back? My favorite way to give back is just helping people in general, but one program that I am heavily involved in is the first T of Greater Charleston. It's a youth mentoring program through the game of golf. So we go out on the course and learn about honesty, integrity, respect, and how to win at life, but also how to apply those skills to your golf game and improve. Great. Thanks for sharing that. You, uh, you said it's called the first T of Greater Charleston. Correct. But how if long, you, How long have you if, been doing that? I've been doing it for the past uh, four months in cool. the community. And as soon as the, you know, the weather gets better, we'll have more class and more courses. But the First Tee is a huge sponsor, um, part of the PGA. So there's different chapters all across the country that anybody can get involved with in their local area. Thank you. How do listeners find you or get a hold of you if they want to talk to you a little bit more about some of this creative stuff you've been doing? feel free to reach out to me at investwithdanny.com. I'm giving away a free deal analyzer calculator, kind of goes over your gross income, your expenses, gets you that NOI or net operating income calculation and some um, cash on cash return figures. Great. They just go to investwithdanny.com. That's where they'll find that? You got it. 
Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Until next time, think outside the box. Thank you, Adam. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Hey, it's DJ, and I want to thank you for being a loyal listener. We're glad you keep listening to each episode, and I want to ask you to please take a minute to give us a five-star review. And remember, we are not attorneys or CPAs. This is just the stuff we bring to your advisors. Are you ready to move your retirement out of the stock market so you can invest into assets that you control? I started a community of self-directed investors with Chris Tanner. You know Chris. We interviewed him on episodes 2 and 11. Find out more about Self-Directed Investors Network by clicking the link in today's show notes.